So we're reading from Luke chapter 10, from verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Good morning, friends. It's a fact that if you know something a little bit too well, you actually can misunderstand it and not really know it. I mean, this is partly the meaning behind the proverb, familiarity breeds contempt. Oh, hello. <laughs> and I also know it's true that if you know something too well, you, you can misunderstand it, is because I never appreciated the history of where I lived until I moved away. You see, I grew up in Zurich, and every day on my commute to high school, I would pass by old historic cathedrals where the Swiss Reformation took off, and I couldn't care less. And then a few years ago here in Melbourne, a lot of my friends went on a Reformation study tour, and I believe Pete also went on that tour, and they came back beaming with what they had seen and very excited, and for the first time, I actually wanted to go and see those places that were basically just around the corner from where I lived. So it took me moving over 16,000 kilometers from Zurich to Melbourne to get interested in my city. And maybe you're the same, maybe you grew up in Melbourne but you've never seen a penguin on Phillip Island. Or maybe you grew up in Sydney and you've never been to the Opera House. Well, over-familiarity is also a problem when we come to this famous parable of the Good Samaritan. The story has thoroughly infused our culture and it's in the air 
we breathe. We regularly hear of Good Samaritans. A car was on fire and a Good Samaritan stepped in and rescued the driver. A child was being attacked by a dog and a Good Samaritan stepped in and rescued the child. There are Good Samaritan hospitals, Good Samaritan charities, and politicians, both left and right, have appealed to the Good Samaritan to support their policies. The way the story and the person of the Good Samaritan is used today, it basically means a nice, good stranger who intervenes to help. But when Jesus told this parable, that was not the main message. At its heart, the parable makes a shocking claim. It speaks of the reality of grace, God's unconditional, one-way love, love that is given regardless of whether a person deserves it or not. People in need deserve help, but if you're anything like me, you regularly decide some people don't really deserve your love. And yet, that's exactly the point that Jesus makes. And so the parable of the Good Samaritan, if we really understand it, it could never be something that we are too familiar with. And that's because grace is shocking, it's upsetting, but it's also liberating and life-giving. Well, the passage, it begins with an expert in the law, a lawyer, asks Jesus a question. But he's not a sincere student trying to learn. He's an opponent who wants to smash him in a debate. Picture Jesus on Q&A with this lawyer. The question, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a good question. And it's one that rabbis in the first century very commonly debated and reflected upon. But Jesus knows it's not sincere, so he refuses to answer, and he answers with a question. It's almost like he says, what do you think? And so the lawyer replies by quoting a mixture of the Shema, the Jewish creed, and he adds Leviticus 19. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's a good answer. And later on, Jesus himself, he says that this summarizes all of God's law. But the lawyer is not satisfied when Jesus says, do this and you will live. Because he wants to win the debate. He wants to virtue signal and show off that he knows what he's about and that God accepts him and that the people look up to him. So he asks, who is my neighbor? You see, he wants clear boundaries so that he can live in control. It's like he's saying, give me the limit. Whom do I have to love? And whom can I just ignore? And I'm sure we all get this. There is a certain 
level of comfort in knowing exactly what you have to do and what you don't have to do. During the pandemic, if we don't know when we are close contact, when we have to get tested, what kind of test we have to do, it creates anxiety. We all like to know what are the limits, what are the boundaries, what is required. Who is my neighbor? That's the key question, and that's what the parable of the Good Samaritan answers. And so Jesus tells the story. A man goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho, a rocky road in a desert which infamously was plagued by robbers. No one would walk that street by themselves. And so it's no surprise that the man is attacked, he is stripped, and he is beaten. And he is left lying bleeding, naked, half dead in the scorching desert sun. And so then a priest walks by, a man from the upper classes of society and who represents piety. Today we might say that he was a churchgoer with good family values. And yet he deliberately ignores the half-dead man. Next, a Levite passes by. He was second in society, also working in the temple, assisting the priests. And yet he walks by on the other side of the road. And what is worse is that both priests and Levites, they made their income from pilgrims who visited the temple. It's a bit like a tourist town receiving visitors and depending on the tourism for life. Both priest and Levite needed pilgrims like this man to basically make it in the world. And yet, they callously ignore him. And what they do today in Victoria is a crime. Failing to render assistance is an offense. And yet, that is not the most shocking part of the story. What is, is that the next person coming by, according to Jesus, is a Samaritan. If you've been going to church long enough, you probably have heard that Jews and Samaritans did not get along with each other. It was a relationship of hate. Samaria is the region just north of Jerusalem, and for a long time it was settled by Jews and was a Jewish area. But around the years 700, in the 700s BC, a foreign king conquered the area like was normal in the time, and he exiled most of the Jews and he brought in pagan colonizers to resettle the land. And so by the time of Jesus, Jews thought of Samaritans as basically half-bred Jewish bastards, while Samaritans themselves thought they were true Jews. And then about 100 years before Jesus was born, a Jewish army went into Samaria and completely destroyed the towns and the temple. And then around the time Jesus was born, a couple of Samaritans sneaked into the Jewish temple and they scattered human bones around it during Passover. And that, you can imagine, if the Boxing Day test was a week before Christmas, 
and someone knowingly with COVID going there and sneezing and coughing on everyone and forcing you to isolate on Christmas Day. It was about the same thing. So it's no exaggeration to say that Jews and Samaritans, it was a relationship of hate, of bigotry, of racism and violence. And so for those who hear Jesus speak, a good Samaritan is a contradiction in terms, like a good Nazi or a good terrorist. And yet, the Samaritan sees the half-dead man and looks after him. He doesn't care whether he is the right kind of neighbor or not. He treats his wounds with oil and wine, travels to the Jewish town of Jericho, and in so doing, risks his own life. Imagine in the 1700s in Australia if an Aboriginal man found a white man dead in the bush. Even if he returned him to the nearest colony in order to help, he would still be murdered. And it's the same with the Samaritan. At the risk of his own life, he enters to a town, places the man at an inn, pays a substantial deposit, and promises to cover any future fees. And of course, here the story ends, and we return to the dialogue between Jesus and the lawyer. Remember, the lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? A question about boundaries, judging who is on the inside and who is on the outside. And Jesus changes the question. He doesn't say, this one is your neighbor. Jesus asks, which one of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? This question is different. It's not a question about boundaries, and it does not judge who is on the inside and who is on the out. Instead, it asks from the point of view of the helpless man, and it forces you to look in the positive in others. And at this point, the lawyer realizes this, and he has to admit defeat. Who was a good neighbor? His answer, the one who had mercy on him. You can almost hear the grudge in the answer. He can't even say the word Samaritan. But it is the Samaritan who shows love without conditions, and that is grace. This parable, this story that we hear over and over again today, it's not a story about how to be a good person or how strangers intervene in times of help. Instead, it's a story about grace. Grace can be devastating in judgment because it's only the needy, the guilty, and the half-dead who need it. For those who are well, who have their life together, like the lawyer, it can be a gross breach of justice. And that's because grace removes all categories of who is in, who is out, who is deserving, who is not, who is a neighbor, and who isn't. Today is Aboriginal Sunday, and if we're thinking about race today and relations, 
It's impossible to do so without remembering the Black Lives Matter protests two years ago. And I want to share a story from two years ago that emphasizes a good Samaritan in our context today. Here in Australia, it was quite tame. We had a few protests and then quickly things moved on. But as we saw in the news, in the States, protests erupted everywhere and were sustained. And it was especially in Seattle, in the suburb of Capitol Hill, where demonstrations became permanent. Protesters settled and they set up the Capitol Hill Organized Protest, or CHOP, which later became the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, CHAZ. Police were banned, citizens set up blockades, and the local mayor was supportive of the movement. It started off peacefully with movie screenings, live music, and even a community garden. However, eventually it turned into a chaotic and lawless place with people every night being assaulted, properties being damaged, drugs being consumed, and thefts occurring. And people realized it got really bad when the 19-year-old Horace Anderson was fatally shot. A few days later, his dad, also Horace Anderson, and also a black man, was at the site of the killing. He was interviewed by protesters, and the dad said, say what you want about Trump, but he called me and offered me his condolences, and the mayor of the city did not. And later on, a family spokesperson said that the president was incredibly gracious and, quote, gave him extra strength to bury his son. If you find it offensive and upsetting that Trump, of all people, is the hero of the story, well, then you get the parable of the Samaritan. We're, we are so far removed from the first century and Jewish-Samaritan relations that it's easy to miss out how loaded this parable is. But with Trump as the good neighbor, a man who is disgusting and I wouldn't leave my daughter alone with, with him being the good guy, you get it. If we ask, like the lawyer in the passage, who is my neighbor? It's easy to exclude Trump. It's easy to exclude people that we rather not spend time with or be associated with. But if we ask with Jesus, who is the one who was a neighbor to Horace Anderson, a father who had to bury his 19-year-old son, then we, like the lawyer, might admit begrudgingly the one who had mercy on him. Grace is not something we understand truly until at some point in our lives we protest against it. If you don't need grace, it's terrible in judgment. But if you do need grace, there is nothing sweeter, nothing more soothing to the wounds that you seek to cover. Grace is so amazing because even though you don't deserve it, you actually get it. 
And the message today is that God tears down all walls of whom we deem worthy and whom we deem unworthy of our neighborly love. Unconditional love, grace, extends to everyone. All of us, permanently. Whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or for one week, we live in grace. And each new day, God receives us as he did the first time. And being a good neighbor is not about deciding who is in or who is out, but simply showing kindness and mercy to those who require it. This is why we take time today to reflect and pray for First Nations peoples who still collectively suffer so much. But we don't just look down on them and pray for them and it's as if we are helping them. We also look up to them and follow their examples because First Nations Christians so faithfully follow Christ and carry his gospel despite the horrible ways that it has been entrusted to them. So in conclusion, it is the Samaritan of all people who fulfills God's law. He is the one who shows us what it means to love God with all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. And in so doing, he, of course, is an image of our Lord Jesus and what he does for us. Although we were God's enemies, he has not rejected us, but embraces us. Although we all came here this morning, I'm sure, disappointed and ashamed with how we have not lived like good Christians, how we have not lived as good people, and how there is always more that we can do, that doesn't affect how God receives us. God isn't concerned with questions over who is a neighbor and who is not. When he sees us bruised, half-naked, beaten and bleeding on the ground, he has compassion upon us. Jesus pays more than two denarii. He pays with his own very life to cleanse us from our sins and to make us whole. This is a comforting message and this is good news. And so the parable of the Good Samaritan is not a call for us to go out there and to be nice and to do good things. Obviously, we should aim for that. But it's much more about how God tears down the walls of who is worthy and who isn't. Grace extends to all, even the very worst of us. Amen.